I mean, that's more like it, right? Not that it wasn't good in midweek, but blimey, that was fun. There, were, there was a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, the knives were out at half time, you could say, <laughs> and firmly put back into the drawer by were you? Time. Were you sharpening yours? Were you like, right, what am I going to, how am I going to decimate? I, I, I've got my <laughs> engraved Japanese cooking knife that says hashtag Ollie out on it. <laughs> They're ready to throw. No. I mean, like, I, I actually didn't think that United played that badly in the first half. They gave away the ball an awful lot. Uh, but the two sort of real moments uh, yeah, from which Southampton scored were the thing we talked about on the last podcast, right? What are the two things that you really, really have to do in a defensive situation when you're playing Southampton? Pass the ball well out of the back and don't give away bloody free kicks with the special teams Ward Prowse. In there, because <laughs> no, that's yeah. I mean, he's, he's kind of very average midfielder, except for absolutely wicked dead ball delivery. Wicked. He's not an av- he's not an average midfielder. He's pretty average. He's pretty no, average. He's not. He, he's not. Yeah, average. he's the budget Beckham. He's pound shot Beckham. He's much. He's much more um, like. Uh, he's much more of a nose than David Beckham was. He's much more of a like niggly, like lots of little fouls and. Bit of a bit of a ratter, unlike David Beck. But yeah, uh, those these were the two things. And I mean, you know, in the second half, United smashed Southampton's press into tiny little pieces till Southampton gave up trying to press because they knew it was impossible. Just tried to defend in a low block. That didn't work, did it? Did it, you South Coast slugs? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take that. Um, look, United had some problems. It's not. It's not the thing I was really worried about, which was giving away the ball in the defensive third and then um, then conceding goals. In, f- in fact, Southampton tried to do that at one particular moment, uh, didn't they? Uh, where United had a real problem was getting the ball out of the defensive third into the middle third and retaining the possession there. I mean, something like a quarter of overall possession in that first half, United gave away, you know, misplaced passes. And more than that, in that particular defensive third to middle third, it was a real problem. Um, I mean, Bruno is down at about fifty percent pass completion, but that was at the other end of the pitch. Um, Not so entirely. Definitely in, had problems for a, in that, that kind of defensive construct, and then conceded the goals from two things we we knew you couldn't do. You know? And um, the the near post corner is one you have to defend, and that was it was just very poor. I mean, Marcus lost his man. You know, Saint Marcus. Have we elevated him to sainthood yet? I mean, he's gone beyond Sir and Lord, hasn't he, to, to Sainthood. Um, just lost his man. And, and you know, the, the thing when um, the front post man heads the ball out and all the commentators go, oh, I didn't beat the first man. That's good defending. That's the point of the front post man. I, it always frustrates, frustrates me when I hear that because it's, that's what you're supposed to do. And so Marcus didn't do that bit. And then Ward Prowse can stick it in the top bins from anywhere from about 35 yards out with a direct free kick. So there were just two minor moments. But the the play around that defensively wasn't awesome. You know, further up the field, it wasn't horrendous by any means. I don't think United were out of this game. They had more possession. Uh, they had some useful opportunities in that first half. Just looked very ugly at half time. Yeah, they had less possession in the first half than Southampton, but not by much. And well, 46-54-ish, something like that. I just looked it up because I was looking up the comparison of the stats in the two different halves, and they really do look very different in terms of the state of game of two halves. And I actually think I slightly differ with your, well, not 
not in a dramatic way, but there's just some some specifics which I'd add to that, which is um, I thought we were pretty comfortable and looked quite good up until we conceded, at which point, between when we conceded at half time, I think there was the double chance um, with the shot from Mason through one-on-one. Uh, it was not, not a great shot, I thought. It was well saved, but an excellent save. Although, should Bruno have done better and made it impossible for the keeper to save it? I don't know. Um, 0.44 on the XG for, for that oh, one from Bruno. I mean, it's, very, it's very close in, you know. I, yeah. I mean, I suppose that statistically that says you'd miss more often than not. But with Bruno and his, his quality, he's he should be. He should be. You'd expect yeah. him to score. You'd expect Mason to score from there, you know. It's, that's an easy one for him, straight down the middle. Not as easy as the first one he had when... Um, he got through, it was a, a very tight angle, put it into the side netting, but literally an open goal in that case. Um, the uh, I, Was it Armstrong, the Southampton player, that had the kind of open goal chance as well? He kind of bounced off his chest. But I just wanted to say, I thought we absolutely fell apart between scoring the, them scoring the first goal and half-time. We just, it just the balance of the game shifted completely. Because actually, they weren't pressing us to within an inch of our lives before the goal by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and we it was, you know, you mentioned Bruno not giving it away sloppily. So in the 42nd minute, just because I was curious, I mean, this wasn't to have a go at Bruno, it was to have a go at the commentator because there's a, there's a moment in sort of 25 minutes in where Bruno gives the ball away and the commentator says, Bruno Fernandez, and here's Fernandez, oh, he's given the ball away, unusually for him. And you're like, I'm sorry. If there's one thing we know about Bruno Fernandez, it's that he gives the ball away. Um, so anyway, he then proceeded to give away almost every pass for the rest of the game. And at one point, he had attempted 19 passes and completed nine. That was about the 42nd minute. So really rough first half from Bruno. More than made up for it in the second, as we have frequently seen. And indeed, for the second half of the first half, it was a very rough performance from United in general. Southampton really, their tails massively up. It was sloppy. It was from us giving the ball away in that in that defensive third and, and the middle third sloppily that both those set pieces led what, you know, arrived at from those kind of moments. Yeah, and- gave, gave away the ball in, in midfield and then Fred chased back and, and fouled for the second goal. I can't remember how the, the uh, corner came about now. Um, but still, you know, the, the kind of things that they must have worked on in the small amount of time they had on the training pitch between... Uh, the the Champions League game and and this one must have worked on that because because Southampton are good at this you know this is where yeah. they they create chances and score goals um, but anyway came out second half and and it was um, it was it was hard on Mason because it's not like he did a lot wrong in that first half I mean he missed his one one opportunity um, but took him off because. I mean, they changed the style of play with Cavani on. I mean, it's not just that he scored the goals and, you know, he's he's obviously uh, a proven and excellent goal scorer. Mason, an excellent goal scorer, less proven uh, over the years. But uh, Cavani runs the channels really well. I mean, his movement is great and, and he was able to, to find spaces uh, around Southampton's back four. Um, it's him that... Uh, that made Bruno's goal by running, you know, making one of those runs into the channels. Uh, when Pazaka did well to to fashion the opening for him, didn't he? And and so he kind of changed the construct of of United's play. And and he actually went quite direct. I actually I haven't looked up the statistics on this, but I imagine it's quite a bit different 
um, the number of direct passes that were made in the second half. And now again, I think that's a perfectly sound way of of um, of changing your opposition or modifying your opposition when they want to press high up the pitch because you can't really do that when you you attempt to bypass some players. Well, one thing we do know about the statistics is that that 10% more United passes found a United player in the second half and um and United attempted a lot more passes in the second half. So I think it wasn't it wasn't they did a few more direct balls but they were also just much more efficient at getting the ball to each other, I think. Um so there's a few Which things helps. I want yeah, exactly. A few things I want to say about the the system and the and the substitution. So I think playing a di- playing that diamond uh, the one thing I think we should definitely say is Van der Beek was excellent all the way through the game even when United were really struggling the first half like he looked absolutely brilliant and Southampton really struggled to do anything good. Uh, you know their their press did not work against Van der Beek basically in that game and and no, if he's he's very, he's very good in tight spaces. He's got a um like sorry for making the comparison but he's got a Skulls-esque ability to to make angles and and move his body in the way that allows him to complete a pass so and and it, like he's I don't know if he's a 10 or an 8 or a 6 but he can be all of those things and he has excelled two games in a row in that that number 8 role absolutely and and whatever he is this is what we need him to be we need him to be at number 8 I was thinking watching him in this game if he was playing for someone else and was watching him I'd be thinking my God, that's exactly what United need. So, it, I mean, it, I I just think there's absolutely no excuse not to play him every game he's available beyond rest and rotation, you know. I mean, well, rest, not, you know, rotation for the sake of rest. Yeah. I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see going forward what kind of formation Ollie is willing to play him in. Is he willing to play Van der Beek at eight in a 4-2-3-1? Or do we have to have this formation, you know, in, in which you can get a bit more width? Um, or or does he or is he only willing to play in him in this formation or a three five two where you get an extra man in midfield? Well, I guess against Istanbul he played him as one of the two in a four two three one, didn't he? Really, um, I guess it was more like a a four two four even in the first half. So I wanted to say though about the formation, I actually think it's a massive tactical mistake to try and play a narrow diamond against Southampton in that way, and especially we saw time and again play breakdown because neither Rashford nor Greenwood were playing at centre forward. They were both playing basically where they would be playing in a 4-2-3-1, only there wasn't a centre forward on the pitch. Bruno was often the furthest forward in the middle and neither Rashford nor Greenwood did particularly well. Mm. And I, I don't... But but I, that was planned, right? That, that wasn't... I, I'm, I'm sure the kind of split striker formation was exactly what they were looking for and they're looking for Bruno to make those runs and become the number nine yeah and it was really a bad idea that didn't work and that was you know when he took off Greenwood for Cavani I was a bit sort of a bit frustrated I would have rather have seen like you know a Matic for Cavani or whatever and play almost exactly what we played against Istanbul but effectively it was a change of system because Cavani wasn't playing split striker Cavani was playing number nine with Rashford it becomes like asymmetrical, right? And you've got Rashford is kind of a left inside forward. Cavani's a centre forward. And that's, you know, he drifted out to the right a few times, obviously. But he it it changed everything, having a, a centre forward on the pitch. And I have to say, I don't understand why Cavani didn't start this game after his performance in midweek. And I mean, maybe it was just, maybe it's just about fitness. He wants him for Paris, whatever. But it made a, 
I mean, obviously he made an a with a, an assist and two goals in a three two win. Um, he made clearly made a made yes. a substantial difference. Yeah, look, and it's early in his time uh, at United. He's not had a lot of football over the last year. His fitness will be coming back slowly, and and all of that. And he's just had an international break where he flew off ten thousand miles uh, round trip to to play for Uruguay. So yeah, yeah lots of mitigation there. And he's thirty three. And he's never going to play 50-odd games for United this season. Otherwise, he's just going to fall over come the end of the season. So he's got to be managed at the right time. And there is Paris during the week. And and Oli's going to try and manage the time he gets. Um, I don't know what was up with Martial. Guess he's not fit. I think it was illness. Yeah, illness, illness. right. He's not even on the bench. So he's he's going to have to, Oli, find the right balance of personnel. I mean, the the weird thing, coming back to your original point, is is just how much he changes the system. I mean, it's almost game to game. Well, you know, what system do United play? I mean, it's probably predominantly 4-2-3-1, but I don't know if that's even 50% of the time. I'm not sure. It, it, it's an awful lot of changes. Uh, maybe all these players are smart enough to be able to do that, um, but we, we don't uh, half have an awful lot of inconsistent performances as well, uh, including in this game, you know, completely different from one half to the next. Yeah. So let's talk about the sheer, unadulterated, magical joy of the second half of that football match. I mean, from the moment Bruno scored and ran and grabbed the ball, um, it felt like game on. And there was a there was a penalty shout in the first half that I thought was worth a mention <coughs> as well, actually, where Rashford got his foot kicked out from under him exactly the same penalty that Brighton got against Liverpool basically yeah I I mean look it's obvious that the officiating is against us yeah I mean if 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 they weren't we'd be getting two penalties a game instead of the standard one hundred percent yeah no doubt um but yeah anyway so second half just 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 so exciting and fun vibrant purposeful absolute like I mean it could have been a lot. It could have been uh, equal. The, the scores could have been level a lot quicker. After Bruno's goal, there's the one where Rashford breaks through and doesn't pass to Cavani, who's in absolutely acres of space. And then there's the one where there's a lot of interplay and the ball comes out to Rashford and he does pass when he shouldn't have done, when he should have shot. And I don't think that's being results oriented. I think it's pretty clear he picked, he had a 50 50 shout on each option, picked the wrong one yeah, each time. Yeah, that's right. Picked the wrong one each time. Yeah. I mean, I did think it made a difference when Southampton took off Jen Jen Pro and brought on Chain Long because he was he was very purposeful going forward, kept Wan-Bissaka back, and then all of a sudden Wan-Bissaka is popping up in forward positions much more often. Um, uh, they pushed their two fullbacks quite high up the pitch in that second half, chasing the game, which United don't tend to do both because of the style of personnel and, and who. And, you know, Brandon Williams came on and basically played left wing. Um, I'm hoping uh, Tellez is OK. He grabbed his uh, his uh, gentleman's region uh, briefly on the way off. And it's like, oh, God, you know, uh, hopefully not another injury. We'll see. Maybe he was just having a fiddle. Um, you know, you got to rearrange the furniture sometimes, just not normally on national television. Uh, anyway. And aside, um, I thought that was a mistake. Uh, I don't know why he went off because he was actually having a very good game and he was an outlet and Chain Long is not able to provide that in the same way. No, I think that's very true. 
But I, I think United's change was the thing that fundamentally shifted the nature of the game the most, wasn't it? I mean, also, of course, De Gea went off injured at halftime and Henderson came on to replace him. I wonder how long Henderson's going to be uh, occupying the the spot. Yeah, was he? I, d- I don't know how serious it was. I mean, he seemed to injure himself uh, trying to save Ward Prowse. Second game in a row that he's palmed one into the side of netting. Um, De Gea, uh, I mean, look, Ward Prowse sticks it right in the corner. I mean, it's inch perfect, isn't it? So yeah. it'd be very hard to be critical of De Gea for not saving that. Maybe it's fair to say he did well to get a hand on it. Yeah, it um, reminded, reminded me of a conversation I had a long time with someone about how sometimes goalkeepers almost get more criticism for ones they nearly save because it makes it look like they should have saved it, whereas actually they just did really well to nearly save it. I don't know which one this is. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, um, it's it's the same. It's kind of the same weird thing where it feels like he's falling backwards, but I think he's just beaten by the pace and the the whip on the ball. And if he dives further forward, he's just beaten by the pace. Um, which I said exactly the same thing against Istanbul in midweek, didn't I? Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I don't really feel there's any cause for criticism of De Gea there. Um, concern over his injury, but we've got a really excellent. Excellent backup keeper. I mean, yeah. you know, not not that United needed an upgrade, but they hit the upgrade button uh, there in the summer. Uh, and and he's really vocal, Henderson as well. It's you know, it's interesting just what a different personality he is. You know, mm. he's berating uh, Lindelof and Maguire um, almost immediately that he's he's in that goal and trying to organise people. So you know, he's a big personality, and and it's no bad thing. At no. All. No, M- Maguire and Lindelof could, in general, I don't mean in this game in particular, but in general could use a bit of beration, couldn't they? They've probably, probably that energy's probably good for them. Um, but listen, more than anything else, United's attacking play was just consistently purposeful all the way through the second half. And the thing that, you know, a lot of people criticise Solskjaer for tactics and substitutions. And I think sometimes there's criticisms valid, just as there is praise valid sometimes. But the thing that worries me most about United, and it has done genuinely ever since Fergie left, is that none of the managers have got these players to consistently believe in themselves because the the collapse in self-belief between the first goal and the end of the first half was substantial. However, what Ole has managed to do, and this is not the first time he's managed to do that, is, or, well, Ole, the collective, the coaches, the players, whoever it is, at half-time, completely, completely transformed United. They went from looking like a team that was already beaten to a team that believed in themselves. And I'm sure bringing on a, a vastly experienced, incredibly successful, v- super high quality striker is a massive part of that. Um, but yeah, so Bruno scored that first goal, ran and grabbed the ball and it just felt like it was on. And then um, Cavani almost scored a header from, was it, I think a Wan-Bissaka cross. Um, and yeah, lovely le- flick, lovely yeah. shape on it. You thought it was going in. But, yeah. yeah, he leapt like a standing still salmon like it was an amazing like looked like looked like there was no way he was going to get any meaningful purchase on that and instead he nearly put it top bins with a header and then uh and then redirected a wayward bruno shot um and and that such was the build-up but i assumed it was offside and then realized of course that southampton had uh one defender who was way yeah. out of the line they, was... both, they both tried to claim uh offside which was interesting i mean like come on guys <laughs> i mean just instinctively by the way salmon really aren't moving when they leap have you never seen them on a salmon run because they're going against the tide yeah you're right so it's, it's a just like a salmon 
He just yeah. leapt like a salmon straight like up. Like a salmon, yeah. yeah. I mean, they are that horny, those salmon. They will do anything. And Cavani is horny for goals, and we like that, don't we? Um, yeah. Look, the, the, coming back to the, the point you were making about sort of personalities, uh, is a point Wayne Rooney made on the United pod uh, recently, saying that there was a big change um, in the personalities in the dressing room and they, they didn't have this extra group coming forward to replace the old personalities going out. And I think it's true. And I think, uh, who was I listening to on the radio on the way back home? Um, uh, Karen Carney, the the women's ex-women's footballer. I think she played for Arsenal for a long time, right? Um, she was saying like her assessment of this United side is that they have been missing uh, you know, people who are prepared to take responsi- responsibility. And I don't mean in the kind of Roy Keane, I don't think she meant it this way either, and Roy Keane sort of shouting at people. Um, but, you know, when when things are going wrong, who who is going to be the, the person on the pitch that's going to be the leader? And, and Rooney in that pod was saying, well, he'd go to Michael Carrick all the time. Him and Michael Carrick, when they were the sort of senior people, Rooney was captain, they would be the people that would be trying to sort out the problems on the pitch. And, and who does that for United? And, you know, it seems to be that Maguire is not the leader type that everyone expects him to be. Um, he, you know, he's much more passive than that. But Bruno certainly is. And, yeah. and maybe Cavani is. Well, well, time will tell. Well, Cavani definitely looks like it so far. I mean, he definitely has that aura of of the players around him clearly respect him he's clearly demanding a lot from people and him and Bruno seem to be working well together I mean Cavani assist Bruno goal Bruno assist Cavani goal I mean I might be being very harsh but to me it looked like he was trying to shoot and Cavani redirected it uh, the third goal and Rashford who who really struggled all game and very industrious and purposeful but struggling with his end product suddenly finds a ball out of the absolute top oh i've got goosebumps it's been it's so nice talking about united getting excited goosebumps been a while but absolute top draw from rashford and then we've we've scored a 93rd minute diving header winner and it's 3-2 and it's bedlam i made some very big 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 noises in my living room (laughs) lots of shouting um five seconds before that goal went in i was watching uh with my uh middle middle one and he was saying i don't think united are going to score here no chance <laughs> and in it went um can't yeah, think no, where, i can't think I, where I was he... just gonna say you know it's nice to be excited about united but i i still have seven years worth of you know fairly substantial um disappointment and hurt to get over so i'm expecting us to lose on uh tuesday or wednesday whenever it is you know we can't we can't keep building momentum can we can't think where your middle child would get his pessimism and cynicism from it seems seems um uh but yeah cynicism not pessimism absolutely yeah uh some they are different no they are definitely different pessimism is you don't think anything good can ever happen cynicism is you believe something good can happen but you don't believe in this lot that they can make (laughs) it happen um but this team somehow do keep doing this and and you know I know it's like very frustrating that the discourse is all great or terrible. Like these are these are the only two options. But like Solskjaer is clearly neither of these things. Like very, very evidently. He's really good at some stuff and not good at other stuff. United as a collective. I mean, listen, who knows? Two new signings in in the January transfer window, that's not gonna happen. 
because um, United haven't got access to their bank details at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'd love to pay you 120 mil for Sancho. Yeah, we were wrong in the summer. We were wrong. We've we've seen the error of our ways. No problem. Let's give you a bonus on top. Uh, anyone got a checkbook? <laughs> Isn't IOU okay? <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess we'll talk about that a little bit in a minute. Um, but but there's something about this team. I just don't mean like they're going to win loads of titles and all that stuff, but they are not. You know, after this game, immediately after this game, was literally now top of the league Tottenham under Jose Mourinho playing against Chelsea. And, you know, they're literally top of the league. And I'm looking at that going, I would much, much, much rather be us than them. You know, just like who nobody wants to see us see anyone. Like, you just don't want to approach big games like that. It's horrible. And instead, you know, United are really abject sometimes. I mean, they were abject for 20 minutes in that first half. But my goodness, they turned it on. And and Ollie said something slightly weird before the game. And he said that, oh, if you look over our last 40 games, we've, we've won four, lost one, won four, drawn one. I'm not sure the record is that good, but maybe it is. I don't know. And he says, so, so we're finding some consistency. I was like, yeah, haven't you just proven the counterfactual of your argument there? I'll keep it. Anyway. Yeah. Um, he, he's doing, he's got something. They've got some, there's some relationship between him and the players. There's some relationship between the players themselves. There's, there's a, there's a pleasing kind of like, um, but it's been a pleasing progressive approach after that really dispiriting McFred performance against West Brom um the kind of like very turgid it was actually Matic and McTominay I think but it was very sort of turgid and and unprogressive Istanbul and and Southampton have seen a, a much more progressive I- idea being approached kind of thing and you know you mentioned a really short period of time on the training ground and and it would have been and also if Martial was ill you know if that happened late then probably had to maybe have a change of system late on you know all that sort of thing. So you know there's some some mitigation there, but but yeah, whatever went in on behind the scenes, the the oh, I mean this is like this is why it's great like in football, isn't it? Stuff like this, like a ninety third minute winner having been two nil down. Yeah, well, it would just been great if there were fans there. Oh. Yeah, a bit of bedlam in the. I mean, we we will as of next weekend be getting fans in stadiums. Um, which is something we should talk about, actually. But anything more to say about this game? And perhaps we'll have a chat about that after the break. Just, just I absolutely loved it. Like it was, it was a rollercoaster. Two games in a in a week. Obviously, there was there was some dispiriting times in the first half of that game. But by the end of that, just just the the joy and 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 genuinely impressed under all the circumstances, all the difficult circumstances, everything that we've talked about. Genuinely impressed by United's fight. And also the quality that they managed to muster up, yeah. particularly Cavani. So, so yeah, massively no, both, both well of those. I mean, I thought the movement around Cavani. I mean, Rashford had a quiet game, and for for a lot of parts, but he was moving. Yeah, he, he creates he creates problems for defenders. And Van der Beek, excellent in tight spaces, excellent with a ball. Bruno not having his best day, but still comes up with a, an assist and a goal. Yeah, and I think he I was mean, just good generally. Second half, he was just much better, Bruno, than he was in the first half. Yeah, I mean, since he signed, he's scored, he's got more goals and assists or goal contributions than any other player in the Premier League. I mean, his numbers are still phenomenal. Yeah, 
you know. And, and, and I think there's good argument to say that he hasn't performed as well as he can at the, the beginning of this season. Um, there is a lot of, you know, inconsistency from him as well as all the others, but he still comes up with the numbers. So, yeah. And, you know, from in terms of like, we love to, love to talk about XG on this show. And this is a game where no penalties, United get clear two XG winners. Two and a half goals to half a goal of XG. I mean, we, we absolutely battered them, conceded from two set pieces, gave up for 20 minutes and then battered them all the way through the second half. That's kind of what happened in that game. So, yeah. That's right. Well, let's take a, a break and then we'll talk about um, uh, the women's team, United's IT problems, Premier League fans returning, and Paris Saint Germain. Love it. Alrighty, can what we do you just, want to talk about of that list first? Just um, let's just check that we've still got. Have you still got access to your email after that break? Yeah. I, I, I do. Yeah. yeah. Okay, we're good. Um, yeah. 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 Man United staff can't send emails. Um, I mean, maybe they can now. But so this this story is crazy and actually a little scary because these these things are they're not nice at all. You know, I know people that this has happened to, and it's you know. It's a really nasty situation when it does happen. But basically, um, United's uh, systems have been compromised. I'm sure everybody's followed this story, but just in case you've somehow missed it, their, their, their data, internal data systems have been compromised. Hackers have their stuff and won't give it back unless they pay. Um, secu- there was a story uh, in midweek that was like, uh, security consultants at this point say United's only real choice is to pay the people that have the thing and then there was a story saying um the uh is it the new york stock exchange or whoever it is would fine um united substantially if they pay these hackers um so pretty yeah so how many bitcoin do they need to pay and how much are you demanding honestly like given the price of bitcoin they need to pay this quickly um (laughs) because it's flying up at the moment yeah that's right um, I mean, it's just a crazy story. Who got fished then? Was it was it Ed? Did did Woodward get fished? Bestest CEO in the world awards. Click here. Just just enter your mother's maiden name into this for a chance to win. <laughs> J- Jaden <laughs> Sancho. Your age, postcode, and last four digits of your credit card. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's bonkers that uh, yeah. an organisation as substantial as United. I mean. Share price hasn't been doing awesome this year, but still about three, well, two and a half billion dollars. So a big organization um, is is being held to ransom by um, by hackers. Uh, you know, absolutely outstanding, and and seem to be between a rock and a hard place between paying a fine or paying a ransom, because whoever they're whoever they've got as a security consultants and i'm i'm assuming it's not the same guys who left the bomb in the toilet a few years back um, and are unable to restore their systems yeah crazy stuff we went there we were at that game together right that's you, yeah, you tried that's to go, right. yeah um th- yeah i mean it's just it i i guess i wonder what they'll do it's it's fascinating to see isn't it and i guess they Really not. I mean, you, they could just change it from manunited.com to manunited.co.uk. Change all their email addresses. 
from one to the yeah, other. Yeah, well, but but um, sure, but it'll be their internal systems that are compromised, not not whoever their ISP is. Mm. You know, I assume. So yeah. it's not the URL that's the problem. It's it's the fact that they can't get on their servers. Um, we, uh, my um, my uh, now former employer, we were extremely paranoid about security uh, for understandable reasons, given the position the company was in. Um, given you work for MI6. Uh, yeah, well, not quite, but uh, the NSA did hack us. <laughs> so, wow. um, so in the Snowden leaks, uh, which is a few years ago now, um, uh, there were several of our slides uh, in that cache of leaked documents. Yeah. Um, anyway, yes, extremely paranoid about security um, to the point that uh, opening any of our systems, they were all like air-gapped. Basically, none of them were linked together in any way. And every time you want to get in anything, you had to like put a password in like four or five times. It was just so annoying. So well, that's annoying. that's the thing. It's like it's like the humans so, should have, have this, done that. At United humans have this massive uh, toss up between convenience and security, don't they? And and basically, almost always choose convenience. This is it's that the the convenience bias in humans is very substantial. And uh, yeah. I mean, you know, listen, it's not a funny subject. It's easy to make funny jokes about it, obviously. Um, but it doesn't half make, you know, the, the notion that Man United are an unserious club has not got any less prevalent, has it? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> that's right. And the funniest bit of the, the, the seriousness was the suggestion that the hackers would release United's secret transfer plans. <laughs> like in the West Wing when... Josh Lyman sarcastically says in the press conference that Bartlett has a secret plan to save the economy. And then he goes, it all goes mad. They all start asking him about the secret plan to save What's the economy. Secret plan? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Just, just who, who's the, who's the best player that we uh, won't pay the money for? <laughs> That's your secret. <laughs> yes. Um, United's secret plans hope to get, uh, what's his name? Hashan Kalyunku. I can't pronounce his name on a free in the in the in the January window. Anyway, we were linked with Always. him. We were linked with him in 2014 because wow. I remember learning how to spell his name, but not For pronounce a it. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, it's uh, it seems ridiculous that United somehow United's ridiculous unseriousness does not extend to the women's team and Casey Stoney. No, that's right. And listen, we, we talked briefly about them, uh, didn't we, earlier this season? But they've been on a remarkable run. Uh, their last three games, including a women's Super League victory over Arsenal, um, uh, who have been a powerhouse in women's football, a two-two draw coming back from two-nil down against Manchester City, in which uh, they really got bullied in the first half and and were excellent in the second half. So much like today's men's team blinding um, goal and, right that's that was yeah so- yeah a blinding goal by tobin heath who's uh, one of the uh, u.s women's national team players that's um on the squad now and just absolutely hammered it into the top corner with her left foot which is not really her strongest foot sort of kind of ambidextrous player um and then uh, a um a conti cup uh, penalty victory over city sort of four days later uh, which was excellent but Top of the league. Uh, I don't think anyone really expects United to to win the league because Chelsea's squad and City's squad are both stronger, and Arsenal's is probably a bit stronger as well. But but um, the goal this season, finished fourth last season. Goal is to 
finish fourth or better and be as close as possible to the the top teams uh, this season. And it's it's a team that's progressing. You know, excellent young players. These two established uh, US players that have come into the squad and and made made six signings over the summer, most of which have turned out to be you know really successful. Yeah. Uh, worth saying that um, Arsenal have scored 30 goals in seven games this season. Um, and United, for contrast, have scored 17. Chelsea have only conceded three. So this is, this is a huge... And City are currently not in the top four, which we can't imagine. Can't imagine that would be the case come the end of the season, given that they substantially strengthened an already really strong side in the summer. So it's going to be fascinating to see. But also, like, listen simply cannot talk about this team without talking about Casey Stoney's jacket. The coolest look I have ever seen a manager wear, to be honest. S- several, several. She's got, you know, them on rotation. But yeah, uh, yeah the, the the black and red number. Yeah, very good. Proper Morpheus, like, she's walking around looking like she's in the Matrix. No wonder United are seeing With things. With Doc Martins on as well. Yeah, absolutely. So 10 out of 10. Um, anyway, um... So that's the hacking scandal. The women's team talked about briefly and uh, we should talk about fans coming back to the stadiums. It's worth saying for those of you outside of the UK, I'm sure pretty much everyone in the UK knows this, not going to be any fans at Old Trafford anytime soon because Manchester is firmly in tier three. So for those of you that, that haven't been following this story, um, the UK, well, England has been in a national state of lockdown of sorts um, for four weeks ending... Uh, midway through next week, so ending on Wednesday, I think, um, and are now being returned to a regionalised tier system with different restrictions. Um, and what tier your region is in is based on a combination of the R rate, the infection rate, um, the likelihood of that infection rate leading to really serious cases, and of course, the provision of uh, ITU places. So um, lots of regions that would think, oh, we we don't seem like we should be in such a high tier or in big tiers because they simply don't have the hospital infrastructure to cope with even a lesser outbreak. Um, yes, which has got a whole bunch of Tory backbench MPs all uh, freaked out over this. So we may well get a Commons rebellion well, parliament here in the UK um, on they, the, uh, this week. In fact, you know, it's almost certainly going to happen. Yeah, they probably but, but, should have. Um, they probably should have voted to invest a bit more money in the NHS. Then shouldn't they? Probably, probably should have done. Yes, yes. But you know, you don't think like clapping on a Thursday night, does it? <laughs> um, so anyway, Manchester is in tier three, which is the highest level of restriction. So the way it works is in tier one regions, you can have four thousand fans in stadium or half the capacity, whichever's the lower. No, no Premier League in tier one regions. No, just, I mean, there's, yeah. there's hardly any tier one regions. I, I, no, no. I mean, if United want to move to the Isle of Sicily. Yeah, or Cic- silly. Cic- Cic- <laughs> silly. Silly, silly, not Sicily. If they want to move to Sicily, then no rules. Yeah, fine. Just fine, do what no you like. Problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yes, ours are silly. Uh, I'm not sure they've got a football stadium there, but yeah, could get some fans in. Yeah, uh, I think the Isle of Wight, Truro, in, I think Truro is the biggest ground in tier one. Anyway, Tier two, where there are lots of Premier League grounds. Um, London's going to be in tier two, is it? London will be in tier two, yeah. Uh, So there there will be fans that... um, Yeah, I mean, the the interesting thing about this is... is, um, So, sorry. Sorry to interrupt. Ed, sorry to interrupt. We should say, uh, in tier two, because I didn't finish this thought, you can have 2,000 fans in stadium or half the capacity, whichever is the lower number. So far away. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, or and none in tier three, yeah, right? Exactly. So, um, 
so the interesting thing is we're going to get some asymmetry of of fandom here, aren't we? You know, where some clubs get some fans. I mean, I'm assuming that 2,000 Chelsea fans are not going to be so raucous in driving their team forward that Chelsea get a significant advantage. But it has been notable that, you know, home advantage has somewhat disappeared uh, with no fans. You know, it's made a difference. Uh, And so fans returning may well make a difference. And there will certainly be some teams that play fewer games with any fans. I mean, it could well be... I I mean, it doesn't seem like it's going to be the case, but it could well be that Manchester is in Tier 3 for a long time. Yeah. Um, and and so therefore, you know, other teams that are not in tier three will get the advantage of having home fans for a significant number of games. And I don't know how much difference it will make, but it, it's notable. But but the you know the counter argument to that is, well, look, we've got an opportunity to get fans in. We should get fans in the ground, and yeah. I think that's the correct thing, whatever the asymmetry in, in the advantage is. Yeah, I mean, football is fundamentally asymmetric anyway, isn't it? I mean, Old Trafford holds 75,000 people. In theory, that could make a much louder noise than Craven Cottage. You know, in theory and in practice, two very different things. But, you know, it's it's an asymmetrical playing field anyway. And and I think, I think they were talking about this on the Football Ramble, and I don't know who it was, but one person said, it just doesn't, it just doesn't matter. It, yes, it's going to be a bit unfair, but the quest for kind of perfect parity and fairness in this it just does, it's just way less important than the the resumption of this i mean i think in theory also fans aren't really supposed to shout and sing at games um as part of the rules uh i'm, I'm yeah, sure that was that true uh, i remember uh, the game where was it in istanbul where they had 300 fans in that sounded like 30,000 <laughs> <laughs> I was going. It's very odd this this soundtrack they've put on for this game, but no, it's actual people yeah. shouting in a football game. But yes, they're not supposed to shout and sing. They're supposed to are they supposed to wear face masks or not. I mean, I know they in in France they've been wearing face masks. I don't know whether that's the protocol or not, and and they will be distanced. Yeah. So well, it's outdoors, isn't it? So I don't yeah. know if that's because at the moment here it's it's indoor places where fa- face masks are compulsory so anyway and hopefully i mean more than anything else hopefully this just isn't going to be something that continues for a particularly long time and some semblance of normality returns which is you know because talking about two or four thousand fans being in stadiums as a kind of good thing i mean it's gonna sound really weird with two thousand fans in you know it's a manchester does go into tier two or even like the tottenham hotspur mm. stadium or whatever sixty thousand seater stadium with 2000 fans and it's gonna it's gonna do, be do you know what united should do with the money they should buy 150,000 doses of that Pfizer vaccine get all the fans vaccinated <laughs> vaccine passport sorted <laughs> uh, all sorts of issues the old people all sorts of issues around vaccine passports in there um anyway oh yes a lot but we're gonna get to it we're gonna get to i'm sure we'll get to talk about this in the months to come because it will be coming up a lot i think i might just uh opt out of most of those conversations and save save some of that um the uh the um the implication for united is is i i can only assume there won't be any home fans goodness knows how premier league clubs are going to decide which two thousand people go to the games i mean lottery yeah i mean hopefully it's a lottery um if it's tottenham it'll be whoever's bought the cheese the cheese pass yeah (laughs) Yeah. 
Oh my god! If ever actually interesting, we 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 uh, we passed up on talking about the the Q1 results in the last pod because it's so repetitive. But Tottenham released their financial results, and um, I mean, they look pretty devastating for the Spurs because they're so geared up around having fans in their brand new stadium and having NFL games and stuff like that. And um, so it's it's obviously hitting them pretty hard, but. But the other way of looking at that is just how much money that brand new stadium would have been making them. Mm. Uh, I mean, they they will be. I mean, apart from the eight hundred odd million pounds worth of debt, uh, which will sting <laughs> somewhat, I would say they will be. Um, they should be a financial powerhouse in the years to come. Yeah, and but not right now because they can't get any fans in. Well, except for two thousand next weekend, and they'll have a better manager as well, so they might actually be fun to watch. Uh, you know what they should do? They should replace their current manager with Maurizio Pochettino. Anyway, um, so will Edinson Cavani be pshwang, on target with his deadly arrows against his old club? I mean, he literally said one of the reasons why he was happy to sign for United is because they were in the same uh, Champions League group as PSG. Didn't get to play against them. Clearly has uh, been in his bonnet about the way he was treated there. Never was the... The superstar, or hardly ever, was the superstar number one player. Was sort of in Ibrahimovic's shadow a little bit, and the Neymar's shadow, in spite of being clearly like a very hard work, ceremoniously dumped from penalty taking duties. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yes, um, I mean it's going to be a super interesting game. I, I presume he's going to start. Yeah, not only because of the performance today, but the fact that he was left on the bench suggests he will. Mm. Um, I don't know Marci- about Martial's fitness. Um, if he's fit, he might play off the left and Rashford off the right. If it is a four-two-three-one, which I'd assume is most likely, um, with three at the back being the second most likely, I, I, it's hard to double guess uh, Solskjaer these days with um, with tactics. I don't know they'll be playing a narrow. Um, just, I mean, it doesn't seem to fit the system that uh, Paris Saint-Germain typically play to play a diamond in midfield. I think we'd be a bit exposed down the flanks there. Mm. Uh, but we'll see. But the interesting thing about PSG this season is they've not had an awful, awesome time of it. Yeah, you know, they had almost no preseason, much like United. Um, but in fact, you well, know, they had they, a negative preseason, didn't they? Negative the- <laughs> preseason. They were still playing when the the French league had started up again, um, and and that's bound to have affected some of their players. And and they've got some mixed results as a you know as a result. They drew two all with Bordeaux. Um, they lost to Monaco last week. Um, they lost to Leipzig in match day three, didn't they? And narrowly beat Leipzig in match day four in this group. So it's been a mixed a mixed start for them. They should probably replace their manager with Maurizio Pochettino. <laughs> And two shells. Yeah, he's not doing it. He's, they are still top of the French league, but yeah. only by two points. You know, yeah. they're normally like ten points ahead by this stage of the season. Yeah, points per uh, euro is probably not a not a particularly pretty look of uh, like points per euro spent on wages um, at that team is probably not pretty in terms of where they should be in the league versus where they are. Uh, I mean, they'll still be a massive threat against United, right? I mean, we we saw in that game in Paris that they looked like front three good, back rest of them. Well, Keelan Navas is all right, isn't he? But the the rest of the team looked pretty ropey behind the front three. Um, 
I'm not sure where they're at in terms of injuries and players returning from injury, but presumably yeah, they've got I mean, some... I think they've got most of them. Neymar and Mbappe played. I mean, uh, Chupo Moting, their superstar, didn't play. Well, no, he's gone day. to Bayern. That's why. Oh, that's why. He, yeah. Of course he's gone to... God, yeah. He's got, literally got the weirdest career path in football history. Um, so, yeah, uh, Moyes Keane scored. He's scored a few, actually. Such an interesting loan, that one. Um, Verratti's fit. You know, they've got most of the big the big players fit at the moment. Mm. So I wonder if Herrera will play. Uh, I, I guess they'll play a 4-3-3 because they pretty much mostly do play a 4-3-3. Mostly, yeah. I mean, um, uh, the obviously I didn't see yesterday's yesterday's game, but it's listed as a sort of four two 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 yesterday. Right. right. So Did Mbappe, we'll Di Maria, and Neymar all play in that game? Um, Di Maria did not. Right. Interesting. Uh, I mean, basically, what we want is for Di Maria not to score any goals against us, right? That's this is the main priority. United need one point to get through. I wonder if that'll influence Solskjaer's thinking and I wonder I wonder if they'll is it is that definite one point yeah 100 because they, that, that's got, enough they've got nine points and Leipzig and Paris both have six um and uh they play each other Leipzig and Paris so I believe one point is a, a guarantee of qualification yeah finishing top would be good as well I mean I don't know that it means anything yeah. for the round of 16 but yeah um it's you know. I think once upon a time it was a, a there was such a clear different diff, um, definition delineation is the word I'm searching for clear delineation it's definitely got a D in it yeah mm. <laughs> um, delineation between the, the top teams in Europe and the next rung down that it made a huge difference but feels like that Champions League qualifications got like group stage qualifications got a bit messier in the last ten years um, yeah I think that's fair yeah I mean yeah just look at this. Uh... Look at the quality of the group that we have right now. So yeah, exactly. But a, a point would be a fantastic result in this game. Now a loss in this game, it starts to get a little tasty because at that point um, PSG would have uh, nine points. If Leipzig beat Istanbul, uh, then us PSG and Leipzig would all be on nine points going into that last round of games and we would have to get a draw in that game under significant pressure so uh, some points would be good and i tell you one thing well i mean it depends um if leipzig uh beat istanbul like six or seven nil then uh we might have some trouble with <laughs> isn't it head to head rather than i think it's never remember i think it's head to head which is why united are guaranteed to qualify with one point out of these two Got games yeah, I think. that makes sense yeah um so, so yeah, because then they'd have a better head-to-head record against either Leipzig or PSG. I think that's how it works anyway. Um, so I'm sorry if all that's wrong. But I, I think he's got to try and win this game. I don't think playing for a draw... I just don't... I think this United side has just not got it in them to play for a draw. I'd love him to play, match them formation-wise, play 4-3-3. Um, no reason not to. I mean, just play... Uh, you can play two holders if you want. Matic and Fred, maybe. Fernandez. Well, no, you've got to play Donny, so I'll take that back. I play Donny, Fred, Fernandez, Cavani, Greenwood, Rashford, or Martial Rashford, depending on who's fit. Just go for it. Try and smash him. Yeah. Cause uh, I mean, look, let's just assume that Di Maria is fit and they play Di Maria, Neymar, and Bappe up front. I mean, there's so much firepower that. 
uh, trying to hold that back, trying to sit deep and break, is very, very risky. Of course, United won plenty of games under Solskjaer playing that way. So yeah, it's uh, it's always an option and could do. And that's why he could go to three as well and go man for man at the back um, with a, a bit of extra cover. Uh, we'll see. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I I feel like with every United manager post-Fergie, um, Fergie obviously had his tumbola. Yeah. Um, and it was hard to... I mean, you kind of knew the system, but the players were hard to pick. Yeah. Um, but with um, Van Gaal and Mourinho and, and uh, Moyes had more of a sense of how they were going to play. With Oli, I don't. And so, I, you know, I find it very hard to say, yeah, he's definitely going to play this system because X. Yeah. Uh, one thing I'd like to see is Twanzebe in the side. I, I think that's, that's, that's just something I'd generally like to see. Um, yeah, I'm surprised he didn't play today. I, I think, he, isn't he suspended for this game? I think he's suspended uh, okay. for the, well, the yellow card he picked up um, against Istanbul. So, yeah, I was kind of surprised he didn't play today because Lindelof had that injury. So, um, it wasn't serious. At this point, I would not like to see him play because then we'll be kicked out of the Champions League for breaking the rules and that would be not good. Um, all right. Well, let's predict a scoreline. I'm going to say, uh, say two all. Yeah, we won, a because... ho- we won a home game, didn't we? Oh, yeah, by the way, I think this is... Well, United are currently on their best run of away wins in the club's history right now. Which is, it's eight in a row. It's absolutely unbelievable. It's like when you start playing... Bruno for- scored five away in five away games in a row. Amazing. And two games in a row from open play as well. Um, so, yeah, anyway, uh, we won a home game... So that monkey's off our back. We smashed Leipzig at, at Old Trafford, so clearly we can do it in the uh, um, and Istanbul. So that that home form thing is not a problem in the Champions League. They just don't like playing there in the daytime. Um, I am going to confidently assert a two-one United win. Okay, very good. Did you pick a score? I said two all. Oh, okay, great. Thanks, everyone for listening like i wasn't to ed apparently just a second ago sorry yeah um yeah. outrageous doing this like 470 second third 473rd episode God. plus two that went missing two that went missing i thought it was one two, two one that went missing yeah one that went missing yeah um you know same hackers that got <laughs> old woodward this week <laughs> um yeah, so yeah, we will get past five hundred episodes this season, and then and then we can stop. Right, that's five hundred. We're allowed to stop at that point. We can stop counting. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, talking of not stopping, if you are a Patreon backer at um five dollars a month or more, uh, then stay tuned and you will get more content. We're going to roll in to talk about the weekend's Premier League fixtures, maybe a bit but European we football. Should, uh... We should flip up these uh, tiers to be one Bitcoin, two Bitcoins. Do you want to know what the price of Bitcoin is right now? We'll see if... It's see, like 10 see, grand and something. I, yeah. yeah, I believe it's 13,600 uh, 13, pounds. So we're not going to charge you that for us talking about the Premier League for 20 minutes. It seems a little harsh. Half a Bitcoin. But we will give you access to your email servers again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for, thanks for listening, everyone. We massively appreciate that. Uh, it, it's... Uh, Yeah, it's always a bit of a surprise to me that people do, but they do. So thank you. And uh, we'll be back after the Paris game later in the week. See you then. Bye now.
hello. Uh, this is a massive thanks to everyone that's choosing you, to listen to this. You started the show, I, I thought it was a hostage video or something like that. No, I'm just holding my phone out so it looks like I'm reading from a hostage video. It says, hello, dear Patreon listeners, thank you very much for backing us. We really appreciate it. It doesn't say that <laughs> written down and it's true. Um, so uh, we are going to talk about football because that's what we do now. But very, very briefly, just uh, this is to answer a, a request that we've had. Did you watch any of the cricket on, on Friday? I did. I didn't see today's game. No, it was on at the same time as United. I, uh, I, saw, um, I saw the Friday cricket, yeah, all of it. It was, it was good. Really, really enjoyable performance. Um, I, I said before the game started, like, this lineup is absolutely insane about England. And then they were 26 for two chasing 180. And you messaged me saying you jinxed this. And I was like, is this, this, is, this is the new England. It's not yet over at 26 for two in the, at the back end of the power play, like. They've got insane depth. They're number 10, like Archer was batting at 10. His strike rate was 179 in the IPL. Yeah, no, wasn't Archer at 11 and Jordan at 10? But anyway. No, Rashid, Rashid was oh, 11. Oh, Rashid That's, was 11, yeah. 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 I mean, uh, eked out a win today. Um, 146, I was, had a bit of it on the radio. I was in the car for a fair bit today. Um, and yeah, I thought, well, 146, they'll knock that over in about five overs. But uh, yeah, difficult pitch, I would say. Yeah, this is what. But then, you know, in the end, it was fairly comfortable um, in that they had two balls left to do it. Um, I, I, it was nice because United got that last minute winner, switched over and watched England win the cricket. It was just beautiful, beautiful 10 minutes. Um, yeah, not well, nearly it's the, as exciting uh, it's the time. G20 World Cup next year. So there'll be a lot of focus on, well, we hope, um, on, um, on T20 cricket. You know, so, I mean, they made some sacrifices, didn't they, in the, um, to focus on the... 50 over format um and now i suspect it's the other way around now and it, all 100%. the big names will be in the t20 side yeah which makes for just spectacular cricket because... oh yeah so much strength. i mean when when tom banton who can hit a thing a very 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 long way can't get in a 22 let alone the 11 yeah. then it says yeah shows how much depth there is just absolutely amazing. Sam Billing saying that the England white ball setup is the hardest sports team in the world to break into right now, which is uh, it's quite a bold claim. Anyway, uh, that's enough cricket chat. There'll be lots of people who didn't want to hear any of that two minutes, but sorry, it's a bit of an indulgence. And it's probably more exciting than talking about Newcastle. Didn't see this game. Did beat, <laughs> being Crystal uh, Palace, did you, uh, did you see this one? I didn't see this, but apparently Newcastle were significantly more progressive than they've been at late of late. And you got the classic thing on Match of the Day, which if I was a Newcastle fan, this would drive me absolutely up the wall, which was Danny Murphy saying, well, I don't know what these fans want. Steve Bruce is doing as good a job as he possibly could do. The fans want their team not to be owned by Mike Ashley and to play entertaining football. That's literally all they want. That is completely reasonable. So yeah, yes, it is. Newcastle. <laughs> How <laughs> dare get... you fans want to be entertained? Yeah, go and eat cake. Um. <laughs> um. Anyway, yes. Uh, Brighton Liverpool was kind of amusing, wasn't it? Jurgen Klopp had the audacity to complain about a game where his team managed 0.28 xg across the oh, whole no, game. All to do with the fixtures, they had slugs. to play at lunchtime, which was disgraceful. And no other team, except for Manchester United and Chelsea and Manchester City, have been forced to do that after a Champions League week. 
Now, I think we should try and let not let tribalism interfere too much with the conversation about player management and safety that should be happening this season and isn't. Sure. And the, f- and f- the fact that the fact that five subs aren't happening is is insane and and the schedule is crazy and there and there really should be allowances made for teams playing in Europe not playing it. They should be and 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 it's the Premier League that decides the structure of the fixtures, not the broadcasters. So he yeah. got that one, and yes, they should manage this much more sensibly. They are selling a product, and that comes first before player safety. And five subs should happen, and it is he has got a point that six teams holding the rest of the division to ransom, it seems, isn't quite right. Not least because there isn't very good evidence that this actually benefits larger teams. They may have um, you know, deeper squads, but it's the differential between the bench and the first 11 that's the thing that really matters here. Um, yep. And, you know, if you and at United, for example, the drop off can be quite substantial. <laughs> yes, anyway, absolutely. Yes. But, but, um, club but, and Liverpool. I mean, there, there were, when I saw, I before I saw the highlights of this game, I'd seen the Milner tweet saying, you know, I think a lot of people are falling out of love with the game because of VAR. So I was expecting some full-on absolute VAR shockers like we've seen. Um, the only one that sort of broadly fell into that category for me was the Salah offside, which is that kind of half a toe offside if you do the CAD line drawings and stuff I, those those we've talked about this ad nauseum they they are stupid the penalty that's a clear and obvious error the referee has missed the fact that uh, welbeck's had his foot kicked out from underneath him and so yeah that's right and, and in any case the pitch side monitor makes these things so much better it removes most of those arguments because it's just a tool the referee can use so i'm being boring here to make him better at his job and i think that's perfectly reasonable those big decisions and and the offsides i think they should just not put the lines on the screen and they should just give us a decision and everyone be complaining about the lack of transparency but that's better than everyone going oh it's two mils offside how this is you're killing the game because if you was no, two I... mils onside that would be like the difference being what you know it's the favor is the I other way the around v- I think the VAR should only be able to off-turn, overturn offside decisions if it is evident to them watching it with the naked eye that it's clearly offside. That's the that it should be a subjective decision on the part of the VAR official because it's a subjective on-pitch decision and we're trying to... The only time people ever get upset about offsides is if it's an, a genuine howler. Yeah, but, that, and, but what will happen then is we get a bunch of stills and broadcasters drawing lines on the screen going, ah, the VAR, the on-pitch linesman got it wrong. The VAR had a look at it and didn't overturn a clearly binary wrong decision. So, But but wouldn't every broadcast, aren't all the broadcasters, like like most of the broadcasters are football fans? Like no, the no, people they're talking here to about these games like controversy and debate. Mm. So, of course they are. I, I think, why, why is, I think why is all, most but, of the post-match chat not... Um, not uh, not focusing on the intricacies of tactics and uh, and you know how, how you set up the team to win and the analysis and giving us real flavour of what's going on and, and giving us some knowledge that we don't know. They focus on the bloody referee and the drama. Well, of course, it's drama. So that is great. that is a problem. So. That is a problem. But first of all, like I'd say that Sky, particularly Monday Night Football, do. A- 
pretty good job of focusing on tactics and blah 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 blah. And and it tends to be the sort of um the entertainment football shows that focus so heavily on the referees' decisions. And I I wonder I mean, you know, they did that before VAR and they'll do it after it, but um I don't think not showing the lines would make it any less frustrating. In fact, not showing the lines makes it when you've seen it and seen the replay and it doesn't even look offside on the replay and then it's given offside without those lines. That's not yeah. anyway. But we'll see. Um, maybe maybe but, the technology gets so good and it improves over time that we can get millimeter accurate. Because no one complains about um the goal line tech. I mean nope. yeah. And definitely don't complain um about DRS and cricket. Right? You know, but I wonder what. Or, or, I wonder and whether definitely it's just not like, about Hawkeye and tennis. I mean, everyone accepts it's one mil out. It's one mil out. Yeah, but I feel like offside as a rule. See, a ball going over the line, or a tennis thing, or an LBW, or whatever. There's, there's, there's a, there's a need for it to be obsessively binary because of what it represents. Offside in football, it doesn't need to be this accurate. For football to be great, no, it, like, no, it doesn't. But as soon as you make a yes, that's offside. No, that's offside. Where do you draw the line, <laughs> literally and figuratively? Yeah, um, w- w- which becomes the problem, right? And and so we've swung to a this needs to be binary accurate via technology versus not. Um, but the only way you'll will get out of the it's killing the game debate, honestly, because we'll get just as many controversial decisions. Um, it, and you know, it's always been the case. Uh, is is if they don't show replays of offsides at all, you know, just don't show it. It's all in real time for everyone, you know, and and mm. that'd be the only way you get rid of that, uh, which is well, not going to happen. Rid, get rid of the offside rule altogether. I mean, that would be it's an ninja. I mean, Arsene Wenger proposed it as in his long list of potential proposals. I mean, of course, what you might get is a bunch of teams that put a couple of players in the opposition box all the time. Um, and which would force the defending team to put a couple of plays in the opposition box all the time to counter it, and the game would get really strung out. It would very fundamentally change the nature of what we've got as a product. Yeah, anyway, it would. Um, moving on, Man City absolutely. No, no Liverpool oh, players were injured in this game, which was unfortunate. But yeah, anyway, let's move on. They they didn't deserve to they didn't deserve to win that game not. anyway Liverpool that Brighton were the better side I think we're going to get lots of results this season um like this because it's going to be a really hard season anyway Manchester City were frighteningly good I mean it is Burnley but uh, they're always frighteningly good against Burnley they have beaten they're on a run against Burnley have beaten them by four goals or more that the only the last time a team was on a similar run against one other top flight team was in the 1870s or the 1880s or something. Who versus um, who? I think it was Derby against Port Vale, maybe. Um, they said it on Match of the Day. I can't remember who it was. But it's, uh, yes. Yeah, you you think Sean Day should be able to do something about this, you know? Or Burnley are rubbish against big teams. It's like it's this whole, like, Turf Moor's a tough place to go. Not if you're a top six team. Burnley grind out results against... The people around them, they don't grind out results against the good teams, yeah. basically. Anyway, I mean, City had a very narrow um, sixth goal for Jesus ruled out for offside by VAR. Uh, it was extremely narrow. <laughs> um, we probably don't need to talk about VAR in the game. They won 5-0, though, no, we do don't. we? I mean, it didn't change the nature of anything. Other than, unless they lose the league by one goal, one goal difference or something like that. But they were very, very good. Moved the ball extremely slickly, scored some very nice goals, just looked 
very good and they've had a difficult start to the season obviously but um yeah maybe they're kicking back into gear now yeah Riyad Mahrez spectacularly good in this game uh obviously a super fun player to watch really good talking of super fun to watch um uh Leeds against Everton I meant to watch this game in full uh, and forgot that it was on did other I, I stuff did, instead I, did. I watched Leeds create chance after chance after chance and Bamford shank them all wide. I mean, he you know, didn't. I'm, I'm he not, missed gonna, one... I'm not going to say I was right, except I was right. Uh, he's rubbish. Bamford missed one chance in whatever, this game. Whatever, didn't he? whatever. It's just his aura of <laughs> that invades all the leads. No, anyway, I'm, I'm jesting. But um, I mean, this will be the thing that causes Leeds problems if they have problems this season is their inability. I mean, they had 25 shots against uh, Arsenal and didn't score. They had. They're 28 against Everton, am I right in saying? And scored just the one. So so, so let's talk about some of their big chances. A 0.52 XG chance for Rodrigo. Um, and that was missed. A 0.5 XG chance for Helder Costa that was missed. A 0.39 chance for Jack Harrison that was missed. A 0.6 chance for Jack Harrison that was missed. It seems like Jack Harrison... Is uh, is the problem not my beloved Patrick Bamford <laughs> who missed a 0.43? Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Bounced off his shins. That was a really good. It was a really good save though. It was a really good save that was because I watched match today assuming that Bamford had made loads of misses because you said that because it's your current pet theory. I uh, worth. I mean, worth pointing oh, out. By the way, my that... other pet theory, um, Eden Hazard, rubbish, rubbish <laughs> for Real Madrid for more that than a year going... now. That one's going pretty well. That one. Um, the uh, the the thing about Everton is fascinating. They've dropped off a cliff. I mean, because this is you know we were talking last week about being terrified of when Leeds play United, and this did look like a bit of a foreshadowing of what it's going to be like because they and they were just rampant, absolutely rampant in this game. They they are a ridiculous side. They're a lot of fun to watch. I mean, I do... I, look, it's partly uh, he, Bielsa's working with um, players who aren't as good as some of yeah. the top teams. Uh, but it, it is partly the way he set it up. I mean, they are so focused on the attacking part of the game and so not focused on the defensive part of the game. It just it feels like two different teams. The one that's yeah. attacking with such a, a lot of structure and... Um, uh, you know, some very obvious patterns and presses high to regain the ball back and has loads of energy. Uh, it's just relentless in going for it and then just never seems to drop off. And then the defensive side of it, which is pretty messy a lot of the time, although they did get a clean sheet in this game. Mind you, Everton were pathetic. Yeah, and listen, if you've got to concentrate on one or the other, concentrate on, it's, he's concentrating on the right one. Long may everyone should concentrate only on the attacking patterns of play and not on defending football would be much better. Um, talking of attacking patterns of play uh, and not necessarily being rewarded for this. I don't know if I've mentioned this, but um, Sheffield United lost a game, didn't score a goal and were uh, significantly in this game. Uh, 337 <laughs> XG to Sheffield United in this game. Yeah, they, what, they're going to go down with like twelve points or something, and they'll have won the XG table. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it, it does get to a point. I mean, ser- seriously though, where 
I mean, they're now, we're now 12 games into the season where the rot really sets in and and the playing well and not getting the results um, uh, turns into, yeah. you know, playing poorly and not getting results. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of the time they they haven't been smashing the XG numbers. They've just been looking like they could at any point. They're like... The build-up play has been really good. It's nearly led to a chance, but then just not quite. Five, five this wasn't Premier League losses in a row now, though. So it's yeah, they're really in. They're really in. They are bang in trouble. We're we're a third of the way through the season, a quarter of the way through the season. They're bang, bang, bang in trouble. Ten games in. Um, so that was them. Then we played this morning, and that was a glorious this afternoon. A glorious victory for the team that rightfully deserved it and was never in doubt and all that sort of thing. Um, and then, I don't know, why was I looking forward to this game? <laughs> all I was like, right, I'm going to make a point today. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to watch the whole of Chelsea. It could be a really good game. Some really good players on display in that game. Absolute <laughs> Benitez Mourinho poop on a stick yeah, yeah. nonsense but, but that game. But Lampard, for all the... Um, uh, ridiculous press he gets, in- including. Sorry, can can we just talk about the tweet? We talked about that on the on the other oh, show, we, like, we, on the show it, this week. We? Sorry, yeah. I want to get, get Oh, jeez, God. Anyway, um, the uh, the 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 much maligned Frank Lampard, who the press hate, and he's uh, is is you know the elections to things like best manager of the year are rigged against him. Anyway, Frank Lampard loves a zero ambition performance. He loves it. He loves it. For all I mean, spent I think... 900 million pounds or something close to that <laughs> on attackers this summer. <laughs> and he sticks 12 men behind the ball. Stats. I mean they they were a thousand times more ambitious than Tottenham in this game. I mean a thousand times more ambitious. And in Lampard's defense, can't think why you'd think Oh, do you know what? We probably better be mindful on the counter against the team that had and has soaked up pressure and smashed City two 0 like <laughs> having heavily the worst of it the other day. It's true. I mean, so they, I, they I did have thirteen shots to three and sixty percent possession in this one, but uh, I mean, it was it was a dreadful game uh, and just so much attacking quality on the pitch to produce that nonsense was uh, it's not a good advert for the game. No, but it's just Mourinho. It's like it's what Mourinho wanted, and I think that's that's the one thing where I'd say like that that Lampard just deserves much less of the opprobrium for this because this is it was Mourinho that wanted there to be no high quality chances created by either side in this game. I mean, it was Mourinho that was bringing on Ben Davis in the 90th minute. This is another. This is like I don't care what I don't care what the real politic of it is. Tottenham versus Chelsea. These are. That is a genuine, proper rivalry. That's that's whatever our second... That's United against Leeds. Like, that's their second biggest rivals each. Maybe in Chelsea's case, the biggest rivals, Tottenham. The game they... Tottenham's second most want to win all season. And you support that team and you're nil-nil against your most hated rivals. And it is your manager going hell for leather trying to win it. I mean, at two all today against Southampton, we were we were like... You'd rather lose than draw at that point. Yeah. The team just went and went and went and went. Nothing, nothing from Spurs at nil-nil with 10 minutes left. Pathetic, pathetic. They're top of the league. They are the and second highest goal scorers in the league 
uh, and have the best defensive record. And they're top of the league, mind you. And they can't, All with all that said, with the players they've got, they can't even grace, they can't even, you know, Gareth Bale stays on the bench, Lucas Moura comes on and Ben Davis comes on. They win that game. Like, what? Ugh. What's the point of winning trophies if that's what you're going to do to get there? Are you, are Mourinho you just, out. warming up your arguments for the... For May, when Tottenham have won the league and all the Mourinho stands invade every asset, aspect of social media and your life, there'll be people, there'll be Mourinho stands like posting notes under your door going, I told there's you no, so. <laughs> there's no Mourinho stands listening to the Patreon. They've all unsubscribed from the Patreon. They'll find um, you. They will find you and they will post. <laughs> but the, the thing is... I've already got notes written. They're not going to win the league, by the way. They, they are not going to win the league. It's not. It's not going to happen. It'll. They'll. Is something will go wrong. They'll yeah, get an injury. No, they'll that, start that's whining. Right. I mean, they've got plenty of strength and depth in attacking parts of the squad, haven't they? I mean, as you, you notice, you know, noted Mora and Bale can't get in the team or even on the pitch, and um, but it's in defence that they'll be their undoing. You know, they they have not got a lot of strength and depth in. Central defence um, and and midfield, they're two injuries away from being in trouble. So, Yeah, I mean, they, they played that kid that he's played quite well, but nearly coughed up a chance right at the end, in which case Marino would have murdered him and never, he'd never have played again. Um, but yeah, just just an absolutely dire game of football and, and a great advert for, you know, this Mourinho stands business. It's like, if you want to be a Mourinho stand, knock yourself out. What are you doing? Like, the guy is just misery incarnate. Like, he's funny sometimes and uh, occasionally does something I like, but he's misery incarnate. And this was this was just a very bad game of football. Uh, yeah. And right now, Wolves versus Arsenal is 2-1 uh, to Wolves. Yep. It's been a pretty crazy game so far. A really frightening looking injury to Raul Jimenez. Um, Arsenal yeah, lose 14th. I mean, the interesting comparison now is a year into the job, Arteta. And uh, to the wow. day. Yeah. That's gone quick. Has rather. Yeah. Unlike his team, um, which, I mean, are they better? Are they better than, than they were? I mean, it's hard to say that's definitely true. I mean, I think, I think the thing he did, he's, he's, tried to, he's tried to get them more defensively sound because they were an absolute joke at the end of the Unai Emery um rain weren't they defensively just making ridiculous mistakes and he's trying to get that part of it better but as a result they're just not very good going forward now i mean they've only scored 10 goals all season including the one that they've got today yeah 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 it's it's and the bamiang is you know has been absolutely prolific since he came to the club and he's just completely stopped scoring um so yeah uh i guess long may it continue right yeah That's yeah quite I mean, I was I was worried that they would be a serious problem yeah, for United I, in terms me too. of top I, th- I thought they were going to progress. They'd made a sensible signing in in Thomas Partey in midfield. I mean, gives them more def- even more defensive solidity. And I thought, you know, with their attackers, that they would be able to push forward. But so far, no dice for them. Um, you know, Wolves all Wolves had a you know a bit of a shaky start to the season, but they'll be um, up to sixth if they win this one. Are United are fifth in the league, seventh eighth. in the league, five points. Eighth. Oh, we eighth again. Eighth. Uh, Game in hand, though. 
win that game in oh, hand yeah. and score uh, 12 goals, we'll be in the top four. <laughs> yeah, United. All right, thanks for listening, everyone. Anything Champions League we want to talk about? I didn't really see much apart from our game. Um, no, so I, mean, I only saw the highlights and um, Liverpool lost, which was funny. Oh, yeah, um, that's Red Bull Salzburg lost at Bayern. No surprise there, but they were really good and created a load of chances. Real Madrid being Inter, big game of the week, I guess. So, you know, it's yeah. going to set up interestingly for match weeks five and six in the coming or well, 10 days. It'll all be done. Yeah, I guess we'll talk, talk more about that next week. Maybe pay a bit more attention this week. All right. Thanks, everyone. Uh, we'll be back um, with another one of these next weekend. There'll be a show Thursday, Friday, talking about Champions League game. Take good care of yourselves till then. Yeah, stay safe. And if you're in the UK, you know, good luck in whatever tier you're in. May all your tiers be two or under. <laughs> yes. I'm in tier three. It's, oh. it's no good. Oh. It's no good. It's bad stuff. It's just, it's, there's basically, the only difference is I can go and get my hair cut. That's, that's, which is pretty Go much the first thing well, I'm going to do gyms on Wednesday. Gyms open in tier three? Or they're not? You what, sorry? Gyms are open in tier three, they're not? You know, you go pump some iron? Uh, I'm not, I like, I like going for a run. Oh. I don't, I'm not, I'm not a gym guy. I like being outdoors for exercise. Anyway. All right. Take care, everyone. All right. Have a good one. <laughs>